Thanks for listening to The Gist. If you want to check out an ad-free version and bonus content, go to subscribe.mikepesca.com. It is the best way to directly support our endeavors. It's Monday, April 3rd, 2023 from Peachfish Productions. It's The Gist. I'm Mike Pesca. Last week on Meet the Press, Chuck Todd was playing clips of Republicans reacting to Donald Trump's impending indictment without having read the thing and noting that was a bit premature. Again, all of those are what I would call pre-reactions because there is no indictment and that one hasn't happened yet. But the lore of pre-reactions or talking before knowing, which I think is where the word prediction comes from, that lore was too strong for even Chuck Todd. On Sunday, there, he interviewed former Manhattan DA, Cy Vance. I I know you haven't read the indictment. And then he asked for a prediction. Then he did the same with his panel. Uh, Look, again, with all the stipulations and caveats that we haven't read the indictment. And ultimately, he said, just screw it. Let's report on what we hear is in the indictment. Now, the exact charges remain under seal. But according to our reporting, Trump faces about 30 charges of document-related fraud, The Associated Press is reporting that at least one of those charges is a felony charge. Add those two reports together, just as good as reading the indictment. Look, I get it. I'm not about to be a hectoring scold about actually knowing what the charges are before one weighs in. I can give a pretty good guess, just like... I think I know enough about what the next Republican national platform will say about guns, abortion, and taxes without reading it. And Republicans can accurately give a review of the next drag queen story hour without having seen it. There is a certain irony in trying to extend care and attention to detail in reading documents to a president who doesn't read and is famously wanton with his documents. So tomorrow we will know, we will all know, and tomorrow it will shock us when the indictment says exactly what they say it's going to say. Hush money, porn star, sleazy lawyer, federal office, novel legal theory. That's it, we're good. I'm going to say that the, I, in fact, I'm going to predict that the only improper deduction will be the one on Trump's taxes. On the show today, Marjorie Taylor Greene was on 60 Minutes. Trump was on Hannity, maybe back on Twitter. Can we A, wish them all into the cornfield, or B, and this is just as practical, deplatform them? But first, Mike Kaplan is a stand-up comic and a good guy. He deconstructs words, attitudes, and movie plots. He's also either read two to 3,000 books or has read a really good quote book pulled from two to 3,000 sources. He's quite wise. I love talking about theories of comedy and theories of the mind with him. Kaplan's new album is live in between albums, and Mike Kaplan is up next. There are over 90,000 people missing at any time, and over half a million are reported missing every year. And that's just in the United States. I'm Mike Morford. And I'm Jess Betancourt. And in our podcast, Missing Persons, we discuss cases of people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. And we're joined in each episode by guests who are either related to the missing person, investigating their disappearance, or advocating for answers in the case. Missing Persons is available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and there are dozens of episodes to binge on right now. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. All right, let's start. Maybe we did. I don't know. Do you, you do a podcast, right, Mike? I do, uh, arguably. 
at least two podcasts. Yes, that's yes. right. One is The Faucet. The Faucet is the one where I just uh, turn on and stream uh-huh. uh, and spout off. There's a, I could, I could keep it. That, that's all I have. And <laughs> uh, yeah, The Faucet is like this, but with without you. And Broccoli and Ice Cream is the interview show where I have conversations with friends about the work of their life, the broccoli, and the joys of their life, the ice cream. Now that you've committed to that title, you're still happy with it? Uh, I am, you know. It is one of those that you almost always have to explain, but maybe you're glad to explain. And then when people hear the explanation, like, I'd like to listen. Yeah, and also, uh, in the theme song, which I created, I explain (laughs) uh, what it is. So I I explain it a lot, but also, uh, sometimes people don't ask. Sometimes I'm just like, you want to do my podcast and they're like sure and then we do it and they don't have to know i just ask them the questions i want to ask them and then they answer and if they're ever like what is this you know i like i'm always happy for there to be a plan and i love a plan and i love a deviation from a plan Uh you know Uh, like in my stand-up i love to know exactly what i want to say and then if none of it happens because other beautiful momentary things happen i'm thrilled with that and so similarly if i go on somebody's podcast sometimes i'll go on a podcast and we'll have a conversation and it'll go on for an hour and then they'll be like well i didn't get to any of the questions that i had planned and i'm like well i didn't know there were questions so (laughs) i didn't know this was one of those podcasts that was dependent on questions. So the idea of plan and deviation, it's better than just atonality, right? It's good to have some sort of structure that you could riff away from as opposed to, well, I got nothing. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I think of it like this, you know, the on the one one end of the spectrum when I'm like recording a special, that's probably the most curated, honed, polished, planned material. I'm like, this is a an orchestral symphony where every note I is the way that I want it to be with some room for if something happens in the moment, I might respond to it. But I'm like, this is how the show goes. And on the other end, when I'm like in the blooming phase of material creation, uh, as opposed to the pruning phase, uh, my girlfriend, Rini, uh, coined those terms. Uh, I, I do a lot of blooming and I, I love going to, if an audience is the best, if the, if an audience knows me or is just really into comedy and is up for anything, they're like, this show's going to be great, whatever happens. You know, fans of Rory Scovel, fans of, you know, Jimmy Pardo, you know, your, your wonderful improvisers and such. And if I, I love a show where, oh, this audience will like anything that I'm not going to do anything that I've ever said before. Like, and everyone gets the, the best audience gets the brand new experimental in the moment thing. And if an audience isn't into that, the worst audience gets the best prepared show yeah, they've ever had. You punish the good audiences. <laughs> With fun. Yeah. But this is very much like you play, audiences should play hard to get with you. Audiences (laughs) should read the rules. Audience should know that, you know, you're just not into that. (laughs) And if they act that way, they're going to get the A-plus material. Uh, And, you know, it's the good, it's those audiences that get the, the the audiences that I riff in front of that help me make the shows that the other audiences get to enjoy. Like, whenever I come up with something brand new in the moment that I'm thrilled with, I'm like, oh, wow this is going to be really enjoyable to people later, you know? (laughs) That's right. Because I guess once you're involved in the blooming, it sounds so good, but really they're being fertilized. The stamen and the, is it the pistol, the piston? Yeah, those are are there. You know, there's there's a certain trauma and violence to the fertilization (laughs) process. Just uh, look at most nature documentaries. That's fair. And here's the thing that I'll say is I, I hope that when people come to a show, 
they I always want them to know what show they're coming to. Like if I'm the headliner of the show, I'd love for people to know that it's me and know who I am, perhaps be familiar with my work or be excited about it. And this is all to say, like, I won't I, I don't want people to have a bad time. I want me to have a good time. I want them to have a good time. Like, I'm no Carlin who says, like, I'm he- you're here for me. I'm here for me. No one's here for you. Like, I'm I'm here for me. And I'm also here for you. And it's in in being here for you. If I determine that, oh, you're not you're not into all the, the riffing, pulling back of this rubber band that will then be like launched forward into material. Like, it, it could snap, you know, and be like, oh, you're not going to enjoy anything. Then. But I I love I guess the thing I'm getting to is uh, I knew I had a plan when I started this <laughs> sentence. I deviated pretty far, well, you, but we're back to it. You immediately recognize I was a receptive audience. Yeah. And so therefore you didn't feel the need to keep it tight. No, but I want to here it is, is the plan sometimes can be deviation from the plan. If for the audience that's like, oh, like, you know, if you you go to see an improv show, for example, you know that you're not going to see Hamlet, uh, hopefully, you know, unless you're going to see the improvised Shakespeare company. And uh, so that's what I, I hope that People will, I think people will be happy, whatever the case, I hope that people will be happy, whatever the case is. I mean, some people don't like my plan material. So there's like, the if the plan is, oh, you'll definitely enjoy my plan material, then that's going to be a disappointment as well uh, for some. So Big Mike, there is a category then you're saying of Mike Kaplan fans who loves you, but not for the things that you want to do. And these mm. people would be best to show up and just scream out, heard it, heard it, <laughs> thus alerting them, <laughs> thus alerting you that you should deviate. But then again, they're not, they wouldn't be the most receptive audience who would be most likely to get the deviation. So if you were the perfect Mike, uh, not the perfect, if you were strategizing as a member of the Mike Kaplan audience and what you want is different stuff, you should be hostile to the regular stuff, but not so hostile that they would convince you that you're not a huge Mike Kaplan fan because that is the fan that gets the different stuff. It's a conundrum. It really is. You know, I did have a, I have, I tell this on an album at one point that I was at a vegan restaurant in Michigan and uh, probably in like 2015 or 16 and someone came up to me and told me, uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of yours. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. And they said, not a huge fan. So then I was like, that's, that's the sweet spot. The, the Goldilocks, you know, because yeah. truly, like there's you know some wonderful shows in New York City like Whiplash is a show that's been around for years and uh, the numerous times that I've done it like the audiences are you know comedy savvy they're curated they're and they're kind of open to anything and I feel like at those shows I feel like if something doesn't work then I'm like well that's really something to take a look at and conversely if I'm in front of an audience that doesn't like anything then if something does work then I'm like well that's something to take note of as well so like the extremes the best audiences tell you what your worst what your worst things are and the worst audiences might tell you what your best things are uh, this is uh, I'm just sort of spitballing well it's a little like in sports you want to play against I think it might be like this you want to play against someone better than you so the theory goes so that you can improve your game but if there's so much much better than you. If you're playing one-on-one with LeBron James, there is no improvement of the game. There is just sneaker marks on your face. Yeah. So that would yeah. So maybe somewhere in the uh 
I, I think we've gotten to the concept of the sweet spot. Yeah. It's all about the sweet spot. I like it. So speaking of the sweet spot, the new album is called Live In Between Albums. And I wanted to ask you about it and about the albums that it's in between. Uh, first of all, I would say this is very hopeful. It acknowledges that there will be a next album. Should <laughs> you get hit by a truck, this will turn out to have been a lie. And do we get a refund in that case? Uh, great question. So I think the answer to which albums it's in between will cover all of your questions. Uh, so in the year 2016, I recorded an album called No Kidding, mm -hmm. which uh, had a theme, and the theme was I Don't Want Kids, yeah. and that's why I called it that. And that was the first album that I ever did intend to have a theme. Uh, like Previously, the theme of my albums had been like the best jokes that I have, the, the jokes <laughs> that I like theme. that other people like. Yes. Uh, and you know, sort of, I, this is my, I'd recorded like three hours prior, and truly, uh, the first two were just like the best jokes I've ever written, uh, an hour's worth, and then the second one, like, the ones that aren't those, but that I wrote the next couple yeah. of years. Which, by the way, up yeah. until 2016 was comedy. Like, yeah. we didn't really have too much of an idea that it should be something different, and then Hannah Gatsby, and then... Oh, yeah, and <laughs> Mike Birbiglia before yeah. was like the canary in the coal mine for the the death of uh, regular comedy, which still exists. Yeah, um, thanks, Mike. But yeah, yeah, no, he, I mean, Mike did a wonderful album full of just jokes called Two Drink Mike, and then he started doing one-man shows, you know, uh, starting with Sleepwalk With Me. Wonderful. Now on Broadway, uh, The Old Man in the Pool, just saw last year and fantastic and people would always say uh like your name is mike that's like that guy uh <laughs> do you want to do what he does and i like didn't have a plan to i was like it would be wonderful to but that's not how i op i don't start from i didn't used to start from a big idea and then build things up to it i started with like you know tiny little snowflakes and then like piece them together bit by bit until like even like my friend shane moss yes. uh fantastic comedian i remember talking to him early on like we were both like how do we get five minutes of material for me it's like painstakingly one one line at a time for him he starts with a 20 minute concept or story and then whittles it down to five minutes okay so he's an evergreen he's a perennial his pruning is the process we are blooming is the exactly yeah. that's exactly right you are a good listener uh that must serve you well <laughs> but also a botanist uh, to help <laughs> and so uh up until that point, I had never even thought about trying to like make an album that was uh, connected in any way. I was just like, I just want to remember what joke goes next, you yeah. know? But I, uh, the years leading up to recording No Kidding, I was dating a woman who I loved very much, but she wanted children very soon and I did not. And that was, you know, the, the sticking point in our relationship that led me to uh, think about it a lot and write jokes about it a lot to the point where I was like, what if I just kept doing, I didn't realize, I'm like, I can, I usually... It used to be just like whatever came, you know, like walking through the world, having a conversation, looking at street signs like, oh, that's an idea. That's an idea. That's an idea. I'm like, who's to say what what's the best thing? to? I'm like, I, I have some jokes that are about social justice. I have some jokes that are absurdism. I have some jokes that are wordplay. I have some jokes that are about movies. I like some jokes about my personal life. And that was like, well, I guess that's that's me. I'm just I'm just all those things. And at this point, I was like, what if I what if I did just focus in? And so I I you know, it's not that the whole album it has a narrative. Uh, or even like a specific through line, but I'm like, it all sprung from uh, the seeds planted of me not planting seeds. And 
So that was the album No Kidding, recorded in 2016, cut to 2020. Uh, The last time I came on your show, I believe, I talked about the album AKA, which is the show, I brought a show to Edinburgh, to the Fringe Fest in 2018, that was called All Killing Aside. And that is what AKA is is short for, essentially, because the themes are uh, love, compassion, and not murdering. And so the two themes so far that we've discussed are, I don't want to bring more people into the world, and I don't want anybody taken out of the world. So just like, same number of people, keep it constant. (laughs) Uh, Just like, we good. Equilibrium of people And and so that uh, I was thrilled to now That's like you know uh, to this point of the Albums that I'd recorded of the hours that I'd uh, published Publicly uh, I guess that's what publish means um, It's a you know Etymologically yeah, similar yes Publication making yes. it ationable to the public To the nation uh, yeah, yeah, oh, public yeah. To the nation. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, So that the that was the first album that I was like, oh, this is like structured and themed in a way that I'm like, I love these jokes, I care about these jokes, and I care about everything that they're about. Meanwhile, so that was 2016, 2020. Meanwhile, uh, I was still writing jokes that had nothing to do with either of those themes. You couldn't not. No, they, they, yeah. they, my life keeps happening. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I thought about things that weren't not murdering yeah. and not having kids, and those jokes didn't fit into those hours in a way that I've come to think, like, I went to a summer camp when I was a kid, and I, during the school year, felt like I didn't have a lot of friends and it was like a very dreary lonely time but my summer camp was like a very colorful time it was full of other artsy weirdos other people that I had interpreted as like other misfits and outcasts mm-hmm. in their school life and they all you know you know Brene Brown I'm sure yes uh, her paradigm of like there's sometimes you try to fit in and sometimes you try to belong or the and it's better belonging means the shape that you are is what belongs and fitting in is where you're trying to if you're a kid or maybe an adult trying to conform to what society like yeah i'm just trying to try to fit in with other people like do i do i look like this emotionally you know right and Brene brown is brilliant but i don't know that we needed that particular <laughs> uh example to get our head around the old uh, concept of the square peg and a round hole but well, anyway <laughs> well fair enough to me uh that's that's her it new resonated. piece yeah, yeah it resonated yeah. with me and so i felt it like hit you yeah. in your body and yeah. the body keeps the score but please continue <laughs> that's not her book but yes well i uh, think she's friends with the body keeps she, the score she person. probably understands it yeah <laughs> uh so my summer camp was a, a place where i felt like all these you know weird shaped people belonged uh shaped metaphorically and physically Perhaps. Yes, yeah. and uh, and that I and feel like experience. <laughs> yes. this album, live in between albums, is that summer camp for these jokes—the jokes, the jokes gotcha. that didn't fit anywhere else. But I'm like, what? I want to share these jokes because they're they're fun, they're silly, they're pretty evergreen themselves. They're not mo- mostly not political. It was recorded after 2016. I do mention uh, a shift that I had in when people ask me, "How are you?" Uh, and that so that was like the most political that gets is like, "Oh, things are different." That's a complicated question. How am I? Eh? I used to always know that one but uh other than that it's just you know there's a lot of a lot of silliness a lot of fun and so i recorded it in uh 2017 and in 2018 uh blonde medicine my record label uh-huh. uh named for an anagram of uh dominic del benny which is the owner uh and the guy who represents blonde medicine wow. uh created by uh just fan and best friend of mine zach sherwin that anagram and uh check out the crossroad show wherever you go uh we're not sponsored <laughs> but uh maybe we are uh, but i'm not so just uh, one of the most beautiful pieces of art i've ever seen by my friend and uh yeah so that album released only to sirius satellite radio just exclusively on satellites now i understand the big question 
question was, I know this is your new album and I put it up in Spotify and it said 2018. So maybe that's the year the album was recorded, but it convinced me, what, this is five years old. I could have got been getting this for five years. Untrue, you're saying. Untrue, 100%. If you pulled it up on Spotify, you could only have done that starting on the first day of spring, 2023. March 20th, 2023, that uh, technically released in 2018 album, but only minimally released. People were like, where can I get it? How can I listen to it? Like you only, only the way that you could happenstance, but now widely everywhere. Do you think having a theme to your sets helps? It certainly seems to help the process. Would you definitively say it helps the product? Um, that's a good question. It absolutely, I mean, hundred percent. You already uh, have covered. It helps the process. And I guess the question is like, what, by whose standards are we judging the product? Yes, of course. (laughs) Um, I mean, for me, I only have now, you know, a few examples like the show that I'm bringing to Edinburgh this year is another uh, themed show that uh, really, I mean, I find, and I don't know if you find this, that I've, I've sort of read this and heard this from other like writers, comedians, uh, performers, creators of all kind that, you know, like when you're when you're setting out to start something new, you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know what connections you're going to find. You don't know like what, you know, while you're living the story, you don't know what the end of the story is. And when you're creating an hour of comedy, you don't know what the whole hour of comedy is. Like there's a version of the show I'm doing now that I did probably in late 2019. And I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Pretty good. And I look back now and I'm like, that was, uh, it was rough. It was very raw. And so- Because the jokes weren't great or because the overall theme and structure and narrative arc per se wasn't as good as it could be um i think a, a combo of both like i mean like some of the jokes were in you know sort of a nascent form and wouldn't be what they would come to be uh or weren't yet what they would come to be and uh and definitely the the whole shape of it like the shape of this show that it, as it exists now that i'm super happy with and like could record as an hour uh special tomorrow if i wanted to but i'm happy to bring it to edinburgh and like run it through that uh that gauntlet um yeah i'm i only have the examples of what i have done and i'm like optimistic that you know like uh hurl i don't know if there's a good sports analogy but you know that in the future i'm gonna like hurl a football towards the end zone and then run as fast as i can and be like i think i'm gonna you know who knows what's gonna happen to me along the way but i'm optimistic that uh, i'm gonna get it and i'm gonna land somewhere and even if it doesn't make it to the end zone i'm like well this is this is the end zone now this is i determine what the end zone is so I mean, you got to put a lot of arc on that football. I don't know how it helps the metaphor, yes. but yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll just throw it straight up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm already in the end zone to start uh, with. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's maybe on it. Maybe on the day that the time changes, it would help somehow. I'm not quite sure. I think so. But yeah, I think to answer your question in general, uh, you know, I short answer that I could have given earlier. Uh, could I, you have, though? I Mike? mean, <laughs> no, I, I couldn't have. I had to. This is where the football is coming yeah, down. Yes. Uh, you're, you're familiar with the Dalai Lama. Uh, uh, I know I know of the Lama, yes. You're probably one of his old friends. He says he likes to greet everyone ever uh, that he meets as yes. if an old friend. And so uh, he said something in an interview once that somebody asked him uh, a difficult question. And he said, that's a good question. And his answer, I think, is perfect. He said, the answer is simple. I don't know. So uh, I truly don't. For all that said, I don't know. But I do know that 
I, I like to think that the way I'm doing it now, I get kind of the best of both uh, both products where I don't, you know, I don't censor myself when I'm writing. I don't like anything that I think is funny, meaningful, interesting, uh, you know, unique to me and my perspective that uh, or just funny to me or what in whatever way that I think it's noteworthy. I have my digital recorder in my pocket. I pull it out. I say the thing. I go through and I listen to everything that I said and I write the one ev- almost everything. Sometimes Sometimes I'm like, what was that? I don't know what that is. But most things get transferred to my notebook. Later, my notebook gets transferred to my computer. It keeps going through, you know, continual pruning processes and blooming, you know, a sort of uh, combination, uh, blooming and pruning. And until I, you know, end up with the things that I that are the most important or meaningful for me to say on stage. And then hopefully uh, I make I make the important things funny or I try to find meaning in the funniest things and then combine them in ways that either are thematically connected or end up on a live in between albums album. And tomorrow, Mike Kaplan, by the way, that's M.Y.Q. That's how he spells Mike is back to discuss specific jokes and ideas on the new album, including the idea of Everything Bagels, which, for the record, he opined on before Everything Everywhere All at Once made bagels really popular. Plus, I blow Mike's mind with the Pesca family's deep personal connection to his closer. That'll be tomorrow on The Gist. Hi, this is Rachel Yucatel, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my podcast, Misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. This podcast delves into the lives of those who have been reduced to a single headline. Each episode will take a closer look at the stories of those who are on a mission to change their narrative. Join me as we uncover the truth behind the misconceptions, shed light on the stories of those who have perhaps been wrongfully portrayed, explore the complexities of the human experience, and celebrate the power of second chances. Who doesn't love a good comeback story? And now the spiel. What the Trump prearrangement arrangement has convinced me of is that there is no such thing as deplatforming. It never works. It can't work anymore. Remember when Trump was kicked off Twitter? Yeah, we all got that psychic break. Now he's allowed back on, but has yet to avail himself of the opportunity. It does not matter. He and his lawyers are everywhere because we want him on our phones. We need him on our phones. Deplatform. The news media, often the biggest cheerleaders of policies of deplatforming, are the most beholden to him. Trump used to brag how good he was for CNN's ratings. I noted among Daniel Dale's thousands of chronicled Trump lies and the Washington Post's 30,573 Trump lies, good for ratings never appeared. CNN, in fact, has been averaging 500-something thousand viewers in prime time, down 61% since last March. On the night Trump was indicted, they had one and a half million viewers. In the interregnum between the time Trump predicted he'd be indicted and when he was actually indicted, he did an hour-long sit-down with Sean Hannity. He played all the old hits with a modern twist. The top people, when you look at Comey, he was just terrible. Did you ever see the inspector? And I had to fire him. And by the way, I fired him very early. You know, you're not, a lot of people say you can't really go so quickly. You got to go through a process. You happy with Chris Ray? But just so you understand, I put Chris Ray in because I wanted to have somebody in there that 
everybody, including the other side, really wanted. It may not have been the right move. Let's see. Time will tell, okay? But I wanted to have somebody in the FBI because I'm an honorable guy. I'm an honest guy. And that, of course, won primetime as well. Deplatform Trump? Every news network, most of his biggest haters, in fact, are addicted to his having a platform. CNN and MSNBC practically drove a pallet of platforms on a flatbed truck to Mar-a-Lago to make sure none of his actions or words would ever go undocumented. Then last night, there was Marjorie Taylor Greene, or M.T. Green on 60 Minutes. M.T. Green got the chronic some say treatment that a 60 Minutes profile is known for. She's gained her national celebrity, some say notoriety. Some would say infamy, some more would say evil acclaim, and some would consider her a blight on the nation. Here's how 60 Minutes considered how M.T. Green is considered. While many consider Marjorie Taylor Greene's behavior outlandish, even thuggish, MAGA activists and right-wing media eat it up. And of course, there were the biographical grace notes, like the tough upbringing. But she says when she was a child, her parents struggled financially, trying to start their construction company. And there was the classic Act One climax, where the protagonist finds her purpose. Green didn't discover her brazen gutsiness, she says, till after 2011, when she got hooked on CrossFit workouts. She got into the extreme exercising with a passion, ending up in competitions, gaining self-confidence. But what do we expect? Empty Green is a compelling, horrible, atrocious, riveting character. It's possible to ignore a lunatic running the Proud Boys, but once you're in Congress and given top assignments by the Speaker of the House, that's it. Your establishment, 60 Minutes can no more deny you a platform than they can jettison their tick-tick-ticking stopwatch for the electronic one that doesn't tick, you know, the one that's in every single person's watching's phone. The Democrats were supposedly in a bind whether to send a delegate along with M.T. Green and her fellow insurrection soothers when the Republican Party visited the D.C. jail. But of course the Democrats sent members because M.T. Green gets attention. She gets more attention without 60 Minutes than 60 Minutes gets without M.T. Green. Discussions or debates, whether to platform, it's over. It's so 2015. Lyndon LaRouche was deplatformed when he ran for president from jail in 1992. You know, none of the three networks, CNN, which existed at the time, none of the very dominant local newspapers covered him. It was doable then, it's impossible now. Sometimes the example of Milo Yiannopoulos is offered as proof that deplatforming can work. But this is a guy who lost his own base of support among hard right wingers when he cheekily endorsed pedophilia. He did not see how that issue was about to play in the Republican Party. Breitbart kicked out Milo Yiannopoulos. Breitbart, that deplatforming gatekeeper. Engaging in an argument about deplatforming, which just doesn't work, is merely the arguer telling us, I don't want to hear this person. Hands over ears, la, 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 la. That's it. That's all it is. It's nothing higher-minded than that. Advocating for deplatforming in the attention age, it's like trying to catch the air or redirecting the waters during a flood. It cannot work. The time of, maybe there's a way to just shut them up, is past. We do better to embrace the fact that we're in the time when the goal isn't to shut them up. It has to become to beat them back. 
And that's it for today's show. Corey Wara, the will, is the producer of The Gist. Joel Patterson, though not ill, is doing it all as the senior producer of The Gist. Michelle Pesca is in charge of philanthropy and flood abatement for Peachfish Productions. The Gist is presented in collaboration with Lipson's AdvertiseCast. For advertising inquiries, go to AdvertiseCast.com slash The Gist. Peru, G Peru, do Peru. And thanks for listening. When you mentioned Kim Jong-un, he's not crazy. He's very smart.